Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. You might have noticed that there are a lot of podcasts out there. It seems like everyone has something to say and a podcast to say it on. I've listened to most leadership podcasts, and I have many favorites, but there is one that really stands out. My guest today is Jeff Aiken, and his show is the one podcast I look forward to every time. As it turns out, Jeff is a former submariner, which may explain why I love his leadership analysis. This podcast is also well-produced. It's not just some guy with a microphone. The quality is on par with some of the best podcasts out there, and the subject matter is very unique. In fact, I believe he is going where no podcast has gone before. And yes, that's a Star Trek reference. I'll explain in a bit. This is going to be a fun show, and I'm excited to be able to talk to Jeff. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Aiken. Jeff is a former submariner who has more than 20 years of leadership experience in both the public and private sectors. He's also a motivational speaker, voiceover artist, and a podcast host. In fact, I think Jeff has one of the most unique leadership podcasts on the planet, and maybe other planets as well. He is the host and creator of the Starfleet Leadership Academy podcast. And if you're thinking Star Trek, you're correct. In this podcast, Jeff breaks down episodes of Star Trek and points out all of the important leadership lessons. You don't have to be a Star uh, Star Trek fan to really appreciate the creativity of what he's doing. This is my favorite leadership podcast right now, and I'm excited to have Jeff on the show to talk about it. So, Jeff, welcome. Thanks, John. It's a real pleasure and honor to be on this podcast with you. Thanks. Well, it's so good to finally meet you and have you on the show because I'm so excited about what you've been doing on your podcast. So it's going to be great to talk about the podcast and a little bit about your background and how you came about uh, developing this podcast because I think it's fantastic. So let's start a little bit. You were a submariner like myself. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you get into the world of submarining and is that where you got your first taste of leadership? Well, it wasn't really the first taste of leadership. I got involved leadership really young, actually, and that carried through and through high school. I was in student council. I was the student body president. And with a name like mine, right, how can you how can you not? I mean, who's not Aiken for Jeff Aiken, right? <laughs> totally works at the high school level. Perfect. Don't know if that's going to translate well <laughs> into the real world. But I've always had a passion for 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 serving. And uh, and, and that's ultimately partly what led um, to me enlisting, uh, in, in the Navy. And I, I joined the submarine service <laughs> partly, partly because they charge you, they paid you an extra 75 bucks a month. And back in my day, that was not bad, right. but I'll tell you what I learned on my boat. I was on a Los Angeles class, uh, fast attack, the USS La Jolla, beautiful boat. Um, what I learned there really shaped my vision for leadership forever. Cause as you well know, when you're on a boat, when you're on a submarine, no one person is any more important than anyone else. 
I remember um, when I was doing my quals, I was qualifying to do dive and drive. That's the first watch you, you learn out of the galley. <laughs> and that's yeah, something you want to you learn as fast as possible. But you learn how to dive and drive the boat. And sitting directly to my left is the cob, the chief of the boat, arguably the, the, the most important person on the whole. The, the guy knows everything. And I'll never forget him telling me. It's probably the second watch I stood there when I was still qualifying. And he says, you know, if it ever goes down and something bad happens here, first thing I do is leave my post and come to yours. Because if we can't dive and drive this boat, we, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. That's mind blowing, right? So here's, here's like one of the, the, the top leaders, one of the top positions in our organization telling me that this most basic job that I do is the first thing he's going to jump on. Mm-hmm. And that really shaped my, my view of leadership forever. Yeah, you know, on the boat, everybody's important. Everybody has to do their mission. Everybody depends on everybody else. And I think that's why the qualification process is so difficult, because we want to make sure that every position has somebody in that position that knows what to do, uh, you know, standard operating and also in an emergency, because your life is literally depending on uh, the, the person next to you. And And what's interesting is, the more senior you get, you still have to qualify on every junior watch station as well. So the more senior you are, you still can step down and take over the duty of, like you said, the chief of the boat taking over the helmsman or the plainsman position because they're qualified. And qualified means you're qualified to be able to do all those watch stations. I think it's a unique thing. And, um, you know, um, I don't know, what did, what did you notice when you came out of the military and you started working in the public and private sector? Did you see that same level of, um, I don't know, uh, everybody in it together or was it slightly different? <laughs> slightly, yeah. And if slightly means dramatically different, yeah. You know, it, it makes me think of, you know, so one of my first jobs when I when I came out of uh, of, of the Navy was with uh, movie theaters. I, mm. I ran movie theaters for a lot of years, and uh, which is a fascinating industry that I think unfortunately is suffering from this pandemic a lot more than others. But my boss was really, really big on being the boss, right? And uh, Mr. This and Miss That and very into protocol. When I was on the boat, my divo, my, my, my division officer is a lieutenant. I remember that. And I remember his name was Greg. If you paid me a million dollars, I couldn't remember his last name because I called him Greg, right? And I remember I was stationed in San Diego. And we went down to the 32nd Street base to pick up some supplies one time, just he and I. And we're walking down the pier. And I don't know, five, 10 minutes, we're walking down there. And he just kind of elbows me and he says, Aiken, Aiken, you better start saluting the officers around here. They, they take that stuff real serious over here. <laughs> and yeah. like, I was like, wow. Right. And, and that's what I experienced when I, when I started working in the quota, you know, the civilian world out there was your title matters to, to people. And, you know, I think a lot about you go to work, right? If you put your way back hat on and you remember those cube jungles that yeah, you know, yeah. everybody's got their cube, cubie they work in, except the managers, right? The supervisors might be out there with you, but you got your directors, you got your administrators, your leads, your whatever. They got these nice offices. Mm. Some of them have windows. They've all got doors, you know, and it's, there's that real separation. Um, the, the status means something to those people. It doesn't mean anything like to the work, right? right. It's important to the, those people that have the status. It's very different. Than, than it's very I different. There's a separation with. there. And I think one thing that's really unique as a submarine or being on a submarine is that there's no real separation. I remember um, I went toward an aircraft carrier, the USS Saratoga, with um, a friend of mine. And we were walking up this uh, stairway up to where there was 
what they called officer country. That's where the wardroom was and the officer birthing was. And there was a big mirror there and there was a sign that said, prepare yourself. You're going into officer country. And it was almost like, like an insult. Like you have, you know, you, you, Mr. Enlisted, you, you've got to step up your game. You're going into officer country now. This is a special place. And I just laughed when I saw it. And my buddy was a submariner as well. We both laughed or like, yeah, that doesn't exist on a submarine. I mean, the tight spaces, we were all in it together, right? I mean, we wore pretty much, we wore the same uniform and uh, maybe with the exception of a belt, we ate the same food. We were, when we were deployed, we were all deployed. We stood watch together. Now, you know, officers, senior enlisted, junior enlisted, we were in it together. Everybody was in it. And I think I think sometimes in, in companies we miss out. We we think that the managers are, are, are more important than the people on the front line. And, and the truth of the matter is the people in the front line are actually more important because they're interfacing with the customer. They're building the product. They're touching. They're adding value. And the manager is in his office doing emails, right? So we we put the value in the wrong place a lot of times in, in companies. That's my observation. You know, I did 22 years in corporate America, and all, all I saw was, you know, I'm special. I have a corner office versus, you know, I'm spe- you know, really what was who was special was the people on the front lines. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's we experienced that. Right. So like on, on my little boat, you know, a little fast attacks, those Los Angeles classes were, were not big. I think mm. if I remember right, we had 126 people on my boat, full complement. And uh, in, in our the officers had this this tiny little meeting room that I keenly remember stripping and waxing the deck with a sponge <laughs> because that's what you do in the Navy. Exactly. Right. You strip I, and wax. <laughs> I joke a lot that, you know, I was in Clinton's Navy, you know, so our enemy was dirt and, right. uh, and, Absolutely. and we won. We yes. won. <laughs> war, the war on dirt. But the other side of the wall from that little meeting room they had was where we had the trash compactor, like the mm. smell. Well, one of the smelliest place I did. I did do one round in the sand tank. But uh, but one of the grossest places on the boat was on the other side of the wall. It, there, there's no status. Right. And that that meeting room they had was was functional. They needed to go in there to put the, you know, to talk about the orders and the plan and put the plan of the day together and get that out. It wasn't a status Look at my special area, not not by any means. Well, and what some people who, who've not served on a submarine may not know is that the wardroom table is actually the operating room, too. If anyone gets hurt, that's actually where they do operations right there on that table. So, yep. yeah. So it's uh, it's cross cross functional, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everything Multi- on a boat is multifunctional, I guess. So. <laughs> so let's let's switch gears a little bit. Tell us about your podcast now. Um, you know, uh, I do a leadership podcast. I'm doing an interview format. You decided to do a leadership podcast, and you decided to bring in the world of Star Trek. So first of all, why did you decide to do a podcast? Why leadership and why Star Trek and why combine the two? Because I think it's fascinating and I love what you're doing. Well, thank you. First off, thank you. I think, you know, I I like to joke that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man that lives in the United States that has a computer. So I have to have a podcast, right? Uh, By law. Absolutely. It ships with iMovie, GarageBand and a podcast. And a podcast. Yes. (laughs) But no, it it hit me because I mean, I joke, but really I think that's a thing a lot of people a lot of people want to do, but I've had the, uh, the privilege of working in a lot of industries in, in my time for uh, almost 20 years. I've worked in professional wrestling. Uh, I worked as uh, I did wrestle a little bit. God bless those guys. My body's not cut out for that, but I worked as a broadcaster, right? Doing the commentary, the play-by-play, things like that. Through that, I got into the world of voiceover acting and, and, and that's an exciting 
a job that I get to do and, and, and I've met some cool people and done some really neat projects. But what bothered me was I was always portraying someone else's thought, mm-hmm. someone else's idea. And man, I've got a lot of ideas up here. I have a lot of experiences that have really formed my view on leadership. So I go in, step one on any new project, right, is know the landscape. So do your research. And I did. And guess what? There are a lot of podcasts about leadership out there. Yeah, there's a lot. And what I love about your podcast, though, is it's got that unique bent, right? Because I think, as we've talked about now for a while, coming as as submariners, we have a different view on the world. Mm. And we have a different view, or at least experience, that's shaped our view on leadership. And so it's one of those things where you have to have that special value prop that makes you different, you know, than the mm. massive, massive podcasts that are out there. So I thought, well, you know, I don't really have that so much. Maybe I'll just do a Star Trek podcast, right? Because I love Star Trek. Like I'm that guy. And then you do that search and oh my God, the world <laughs> does not need another Star Trek podcast. <laughs> but I actually read an article a couple of years ago and I, and I feel bad. I should have done a little more research, but there was a, a general who stated that some of the greatest uh, military lessons he ever learned were from Star Trek. And so I thought to myself, oh, my God. And as you said at the beginning there, you watch Captain Picard in action or something. You're like, that guy's smooth. That was good. Uh, That was a great choice. So I'm like, let's do this, man. Let's watch these episodes and start pulling leadership ideas out of them. And so I watched a couple just to make sure like there was actually content here. And yeah, I mean like mind blowing amounts of content. It's, it's amazing. They're, they're filled with it. And, and um, I think I was talking to you earlier. I, I, uh, my wife and I decided to watch the next generation just, you know, cause they're, they're on now on all Netflix and, and Amazon. So we're kind of going through each season and um, just for fun, you know, something to do. We had watched it when, uh, before we had children, we were younger, we were, we watched a lot of the reruns and we enjoyed the show. Um, but we remark, we sit there and we talk about all the leadership lessons and we're like, oh, that was great. What he did there, what she said there. Oh, you know, they spent that extra amount of time just caring for that person. There's all these really interesting leadership lessons. And, and my wife kept saying, you got to write about that. You got to write about that. I'm like, I don't know how many people are watching a show like this. And this is an older, you know, and I'm, this is an older show. And uh, then I bumped into your your podcast. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is exactly what I was talking about. So I I really think it's, you're really finding a lot of gems, at least all the episodes I've listened to. You found a lot of really good leadership gems in these as as you watch these episodes. Yeah, It's been challenging. I didn't know how to dive in. There's over 700 episodes of original Star Trek out there and they're, and they're producing more now. And, and so where do you even start? And so um, I started with just the live action. So when I started this, uh, Star Trek Discovery was just a rumor um, mm. when I first had my the first idea for this. And so everything was produced. All the series were done. So I'm like, I'll start with the pilots, you know, start with the first episode. And my first, I guess my first construct for this is I would watch all of season one of all of the episodes, you know, at one time sort of thing. So I'm going to watch all of Next Generation, all of the original series, all of Voyager, et cetera. Um, but then I realized like the first season of a lot of Star Trek isn't that good. No. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can soldier through all this. And so I created this spreadsheet. I have all the episodes in it. I wrote a little macro where I hit a little button and it pops up a random episode. And that's going to be the next one I watch. Oh, that's great. And, uh, yeah. So I can dive in, watch it, start pulling all the leadership lessons out of it. 
I think it's great. And now that I follow you, I, I subscribe to your podcast. So now I see the I see the episode you're doing, and I refuse to listen to your podcast till I go watch the episode because I really want to I really want to see the lessons or, or or you know follow you as you go through the lessons of it. So I I really think that um, if you do that, I mean I really encourage those of you who follow this podcast. I absolutely love this. Is go watch the episode. It's easy to find, right? They're on all the all the streaming services. Watch the episode, then listen to the podcast, and you really get a lot more out of it than just than just listening to the podcast too. It really, you really get a lot of color and uh, things. Like I would say, for example, some observations I see, you mentioned it too, and uh, it's like, oh, that that was not good, and you, you and I hear you comment on it as well. So, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Thing. Yeah key thing right like like we've talked a bit now about how there's some incredible leadership lessons it's important to note that some great lessons are what not to do mm, as much right. as they are what to do and, and and star trek is full of those as well <laughs> right right so um so so you're a fan of star trek so what um you know if you're if you're looking at all the different episodes or the different you know there are guess different genres of star trek i guess that they put together so what are some captains that you like so far and ones that you think have some work to do because i think i might know some an answer to that so. <laughs> right? right yeah if you listen to a couple episodes you know you know i think what's interesting is i've watched all of star trek a couple of times so i'm right. i am that big of a nerd and so i i walk in with a lot of biases about who i'm gonna like and who i'm not gonna like and i try to own those on the podcast right like deep space nine is my star trek and i tell you that mm. when we get to an episode but i work hard in my analysis to be as objective as i can and i can say i from a leadership standpoint, while I've been impressed with Deep Space Nine, Commander and later Captain Cisco, I think it also has not as much mm. in it. There's a lot of different story. However, I've been able to pull out a lot of lessons around lean, um, you know, some Six Sigma stuff mm. out of there. They do some really great stuff around because they, they're just about operations in a lot of ways. You had, you had in one of your episodes, you talked about a gimbal walk and my yep. first episode on this podcast is talking about gimbal. And I'm like, Oh, great. We're, we're, <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, we're connected somehow. <laughs> gimbal walks changed my life. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. and look it up, people. If you don't know a gimbal walk, it's just exactly. literally going to the place where the work happens and that will totally change your world, change everything. Yes. But yeah, Cisco does that in the first episode of Deep Space Nine. It's like, this is. Look at this. Like he's going there and he's looking and he's getting his hands dirty. And like, this is great. And then you've got captains like Janeway on Voyager mm. who, and, and we'll get into this in some later episodes, but she doesn't have a support system. She's, you know, she's meant to be, you know, I, I think of captains in terms of like a, like a general, maybe district mm. manager kind of thing, but there's always infrastructure above that. There's none for her. She mm. has nobody to check in with. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and so I, I'm looking forward to pulling out the lessons where she has a very distinct vision. She has defined her values and knows the mission of Starfleet. And so when you're in those rough situations, like, like Voyager finds itself in, how do you stick to the vision, the mission, your values, mm. when it could compromise everything for you, right? right? Like right. But she, there's going to be a lot of examples. But you want to talk about not great. <laughs> so Star Trek Enterprise, it's a great series. Yes. I totally go watch it. I've only been able to watch uh, so far in the thing, two episodes out of the first season. So I mm. want to give credit to Captain Archer. I know there's an arc, but man, he starts out rough. Oof. It's it's Oof. bad. I watched an episode yeah. last night. You know, I don't know where I just decided to look at him since since your podcast came out. I went back and watched him. And yeah, he's he's got some challenges in the first season. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, uh, you know, I think it's a thing. And, and, and maybe this is a modern piece, you know, maybe. I don't think it is modern. Like, as I'm saying this, I'm even questioning myself. But leading with emotional intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. I think we just have better words for it now. Right. You know, we used to talk about empathy or active listening or things like that, which are parts of that. But if you want to see zero emotional intelligence, you watch Captain Archer. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Deep Leadership is brought to you by Strikeforce Energy. Strikeforce Energy is a veteran-owned company founded by a Navy SEAL, and their products are all made in the USA. Strikeforce Energy is a liquid flavor pack that you can add into any beverage. It has zero calories, zero carbs, and zero sugar. Each pack contains 80 milligrams of caffeine. Strikeforce Energy is offering a discount to all the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and enter the discount code I have the watch, one word, for a 20% discount on every order. Deep Leadership is also brought to you by my Amazon best-selling book, I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following. This book is filled with 23 short stories on how you can become a more effective leader. It's super easy to read and most people finish it in less than two hours. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and click the large orange button for signed copies. Enter the discount code IHaveTheWatch, one word, at checkout for 20% off your order and domestic shipping is always free. Captain Picard. Now he's. Uh, have, what What are your assessments of him so far? So through the random episode generator, I haven't been able to watch a lot of the okay. narration. Uh, but I've got one. So you know when it's coming out. In fact, um, coming pretty soon. That really, in a lot of ways, it's going to be hard to not call him kind of the you know the pinnacle, the the, the example to reach for as a leader. But I think what is is different from him or what's going to be interesting to learn from him is he is very much about that separation, he right? Is, he is yeah. the captain and there, I mean, he's, he, and in fact, if, if people are familiar with the series, the very last scene of the next generation, spoiler alert, is, is Picard finally joining the crew in their poker game that they play. And, you know, he, he never did because he always tried so that, it's not right. It's not wrong. Right. It's his style. It's how he does it. What I think is going to be interesting to look at is how he still creates those personal connections mm-hmm. with the people on his crew, despite maintaining that professional distance. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, I mean, I kind of equate it to, you know, the smaller submarines were, were led by commanders, lieutenant commanders, commanders, and the larger ones, the tridents were, were Oh sixes. You know, we had a full captain that was our uh, commanding officer. And I think, it's almost like Picard is that 06, you know, he's the more senior yeah. guy that uh, has been there, done that. Whereas maybe some of the uh, other episodes have smaller, the ships are smaller, the crews are smaller, and you're getting more of a, I guess, a Captain Kirk, you know, who's going to jump jump in action and, yeah. take, you know, take charge. And, you know, he, he's always in the fray, right? He is, but you know, in the, the very first episode of the next, of the original series with Kirk, it's called Where No Man Has Gone Before. It was the pilot that actually got them, them signed. There's this incredible scene, and I'll just really quick talk about it, but it's what we were just talking about. Mm. His helmsman goes down, and in the blink of an eye, he slips from the captain's chair into the helmsman seat mm. right there without skipping a beat. And then Spock over in the science department bumps him out of there. 
in a heart, like it happens in a blink of an eye. He mm. jumps in to take over. Spock comes in to take over for him because they understand the importance of the job and mm. where they are in that moment. The science station is unimportant entirely, but you need your captain in there, you know, calling the shots. Kirk, so far, I've only been able to review a couple episodes, but there's a vision of like William Shatner and Kirk out there in the world yeah, yeah. that just doesn't doesn't survive any scrutiny. Like if you watch any of the original series, he's not that guy. Mm. Like I am I'm very impressed with him as a leader and what I and what I've seen so far. Okay. So yeah. I, I, yeah, that's, I haven't watched. Now I think you've said on the podcast that you used to watch the original Star Trek with your mom. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah growing up, all growing those up, episodes. She, I did. Yeah. Growing up, she was, you know, before I was born, she was a fan and that was a big, big thing growing, growing up with her was watching it. And I remember as a kid, when the next generation came on the air, like she, you know, that was a thing. Mm. And, uh, and she actually, she actually passed away just a couple of months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, had a stroke. Thank you. Um, but the last thing she and I did together was watch an episode of the next generation. Wow. Um, Ensigns of command is a, which is an okay episode, but it's always going to have a special place uh, in my heart now. Cause that's got to watch it with her, but she really brought me into the world of star Trek. That's really interesting. So, um, I mean, what, what are some surprises that you've, you've had by going through these episodes? You mentioned Kirk being much more of a, multidimensional than maybe he's made out to be in pop culture. But what are some other surprises you learn as you've gone through these episodes with that lens, that leadership lens and looking at these shows? Well, I think one of the almost maybe the most surprising, but most expected ones is that it's not always the captains mm. that are the real leaders and are the, are the stars here. Like uh, I just recently recorded an episode for next generation called face of the enemy. And it's Deanna Troy, uh, who's the counselor on the ship ends up on a, on a Romulan vessel. She's in the middle of this huge, just like complex web of intrigue and everything. And, and, and she steps up and, and, you know, and she's, she's just a counselor on the ship. There's actually a whole storyline in next generation later on about how she wants to get into command, but watching these, these, these what you just consider your, your operations people or whatever, step into leadership roles and, and I say I'm surprised because when you think about Star Trek, you always think about the captains and mm. blah, blah, blah. Where I'm not surprised, though, is in real life, right? At work, when when we're leading our teams, when we're out there trying to inspire the people and build the people up, I say, I would like to say, unleashing the potential inside of people. Mm, that's really when important. Yeah. When we're doing that, like they're the leaders. Yeah. They're everywhere. Yeah. And kind of, you know, and, and so it, I, I guess like it was surprising because it was unexpected, but it was exciting because it was validating of real life. It is true. Uh, my wife and I commented about watching, we were watching the next generation, the first couple of seasons and Wesley who uh, ends up becoming an acting ensign. So, you know, if you can imagine ensign being the lowest officer on a ship an acting ensign is below that. So that's pretty low. But he ends up like saving the day on multiple episodes in the first two seasons. And, um, you know, we're so, you know, it's almost like going back to the submarine analogy where anyone, 
any one sailor, any one person could affect the outcome of, of the ship's performance, right? They can save the day. You know, when we had an emergency, so we had a fire in the laundry, we ran to the fire, right? And the first person there, you know, put out the fire and then you would establish communications. But everybody knew we were all trained firefighters. We ran to the to the problem and uh, we depended on that junior sailor to get there and put out that fire because our lives depended on it. And there was Wesley Crusher acting in and saving the day, you know, and it was just that same going back to the submarine. Do you think maybe that um, you're what you've liked about um, Star Trek and the leadership lessons do, you know, um, re- do you recall your submarine days? Is it, is it, is that part of the, part of the reason why there's a fascination there? Because it is, it is a crew you're in space. I mean, a submarine, you're sort of, you know, you can't leave You're you're basically in underwater. It's very similar. Yeah, it, it, it is. And in fact, I've, I've joked a lot that like, if we ever end up in the Star Trek world, those are all submariners out there. They are, right. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, yeah. There's no, like, there's an escape hatch, but you're, you're so far underwater. It doesn't matter. Right. right, right. You know? And so, it, it, but I think it almost, it almost bothers me. Right. Cause you watch operations on, on the, the enterprise or on, on Voyager and you're like, that's not how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, and, and, and it's the little things. And, and I think some of this are, are pieces I've like, re- like I, my wife and I were actually on a road trip here recently. We just had to get out of the house and uh, we're, we're on the West coast. So she were on I five. And she's like, yeah, we're going to look for exit 133. And I say, exit 133 I. Like, <laughs> right? It's like, whoa, what am I? It was, it's almost well over, or if you round it up, it'd be 30 years ago I was doing that. Right. And, right. uh, but it just, but you, when you watch on the Enterprise and they're just like, you know, make your heading this. And they're just like, I, sir. Like, yeah. yeah, no, that's not. No, <laughs> verbatim repeat back. We right, require yeah. Right. So this thing's <laughs> got to get in my head a little bit where it's like, yeah, that's not, but you know, but it's, it's cool, Jeff. That's not. This is not, it's right, not real. Right. This is a show. I think we were talking before the show, too. Uh, submariners have a very um, strong level of sarcasm, too. So you don't see bit. that so much on uh, Star Trek. But you do get the sarcasm in your commentary, which I love, by the way. So maybe <laughs> it's because I'm a submariner. To. and I appreciate Right, yeah. You're like, oh, I, I speak that. <laughs> so, I love it. So, um so if you if you kind of summarize, you know, maybe some of the things you're learning from from the watching the Star Trek and putting on these um, episodes, but also your experience, what what would you say makes a great leader? So I've actually defined this in four very distinct categories. Um, I call this aptitude because yeah, everything has to be a cool acronym, right? That's how we we function. Right. And I and I cheat to get my my acronym. That's how that's how dedicated I am that's to the perfect. cause. But it's aptitude, right? And so there's four pieces. A is someone who adds value in every interaction. When you're talking to somebody, you can't just have a surface level conversation. You need to get in there and add value to that person. Mm. And a good example I think of there is when I was working in professional wrestling. Somebody would go out for a match and they'd come back and all they want to hear is what a good job they did, right? But I'm trying to create a better show out there. And so I would Mm. tell them, yeah, that was garbage, man. Like (laughs) you didn't do this, you didn't do that maybe a little nicer some of the times, but add value in that conversation. The second one is the P, uh, puts, uh, someone who puts the mission ahead of themselves. Mm-hmm. And what I think of there is you, this is really what I like to think of as kind of the blame game, right? Mm-hmm. When something goes wrong as a leader, it's my job to go and take that shot, right? It's not, the, not, my, not my team member, you know, unless they did anything illegal or unethical or anything like that. But, you know, 99.9% of the time, it's me that goes in there because the mission has to continue. Mm. And, and I am not critical to the mission. 
on that. Um, the third one where I really cheated was uh, the best you have to offer is your authentic <laughs> self, right? You have to someone who's real. Um, when I my first, I guess you'd say paid leadership position was a, a manager in the in the movie theater industry. And you know, my boss was all about Mr. This and Miss That. And so I was Mr. Aiken. Mm. And I hated it. I mm. hated it. But I didn't know how to be a good manager yet. And so I almost, here's a little look into the psychosis of Jeff Aiken. But I almost created a character, Mr. Aiken. And Mr. Aiken knew all about FMLA and and the break laws, you know, through this and whatnot. And he knew those things. Jeff didn't have a clue. And over time, as I learned them, not only could I just be Jeff instead of Mr. Aiken, but I was dramatically more effective as a leader because I was able to bring my whole self to the mm, game. I wasn't having to put a plastic face on and pretend to be something I wasn't. I and think the, fourth, the other thing I'll just add to that too, the uh, authentic self. I see when uh, people try to fake it, everybody knows it, right? And yeah. when they're trying to pretend, oh, I really, hey, what's going on, guys? Everybody's like, mm, yeah, wow, he's like, kind of kid. So everybody knows it when you're faking it. So authenticity yep. is, if you're trying to fake it, everybody is aware of it. So being authentic is really. Uh, I, I see it as a big issue. So. When I think about it too, and I, and I stole this from somebody, I wish I could give credit. I don't remember who it was, but it's the problem of M&Ms, right? So M&Ms are the worst thing for your workers. Those are managers and meetings. Mm, All yeah. they do is disrupt work, right? But if you are authentic, if you're not faking it, I think it's such a great example. If you are just doing it, you don't have to fake it. When you interact with your teams, you're not going to be that manager disrupting work. Mm. You're going to be there adding value, putting the mission ahead because you're being your whole you, you're being authentic. Yep. And that brings you to the fourth one, which is somebody who allows others to thrive again. And, 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 you know, it's the whole reverse breakup thing. You know, when you get someone breaks up, they're like, Hey, it's look, it's, it's not you. It's me. It's just not working out. No, it, it, it's not, it's not me. It is you. You're all that matters here. And, and, and so, and, and I think you actually had a great tweet about this here not too long ago where it's, you know, a leader's job is to give the credit and to take the blame essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's allowing people to thrive. So when someone can do those four things, like that's, that's how I define a strong leader. And then I, I added the two to it. Cause you know, sounds better as aptitude. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Tude. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I think it's really important. Um, I, I like what you've said there. Uh, allow others to thrive. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about adding value. I mean, this is just, this really good stuff. So, um, well, thanks. And, uh, I was just trying to see my notes. I can't even read it. So yeah, puts, puts the mission ahead of themselves. So one of the things I talk about in my, um, in the, my first book was the idea that, you know, it's called I have the watch. And the reason being is, is you know, this when you have the watch, right? You're responsible. At least, you know, when I was an officer, I was officer of the deck or engineering officer of the watch. I was responsible for the mission and the people. And, and the think, people. Yeah. Yes. And I think this is one thing that uh, people miss out on. So they think that, oh, well, I'm the, I'm the manager of this organization. I'm responsible for the mission to make the numbers. Right. But, but they don't see it as it's important that they have to be in charge of the people as well or be responsible for the people. They think just the mission. And that's why it's easy for them to say, Oh, we need, uh, we're not making our numbers. So I got to let, you know, five people go so I can make my profits. 
you know, I mean, yeah, there's those circumstances when, you know, you have to shrink the size of a business, but that's a last resort. But there are some managers that is, that's their first thing they do. They see people yeah. as an expense, not as an asset. Right. Know? And, and, and they're, they are such an asset. And I think that's the paradigm shift that needs to happen where mm. if my mission is to make money, right. And that's most organizations out there. I have the, I'll say quote unquote advantage of working primarily in the public sector where my job is to spend money and <laughs> not necessarily make like it that. right. But, but I think that when we can accept and embrace the fact that the best way to achieve that mission of making money is investing in our people in mm. unleashing, empowering and supporting our people Profits go through the roof. I'll tell a quick story if it's okay. Yeah. Where I did this in the public sector, I was I was given um, uh, oversight of a program, not huge, uh, 148 people in this program at the time when I when I was handed it, and they 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 did some pretty um, important but basic tasks that supported the organizations. They received the mail, um, opened it, scanned it electronically, distributed it throughout the organization, and some other data entry and records management tasks. And so when I walked in, the prior leadership had been removed for creating a hostile work environment. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, not good. And a lot of, just a lot of, a lot of trauma uh, with the people in the organization. And so 148 people, when I stepped in, they were failing to meet their service level agreements across the board. They had asks for more personnel to anybody that would listen. Within four months, I was able to uh, reduce the, ha the head count by to about 121. Eventually, we got the head count down to 84, all through attrition. People promoted or found out that we didn't lay anybody off, nothing negative. It was all celebratory and, and positive. We were same day, next day, exceeding our service level agreements across the board with less people. And we didn't do anything magic, right? I didn't get new technology. I didn't hire more management. What I did is I changed management's job. And I said, your job is not to watch the numbers. Your job is not to watch the work. Your job is to support and empower mm. the people. Wow. That's it. We even changed our manager meetings, what we did weekly, where the report out wasn't our stats and our breakdown, but what have you done this week to support your teams? Mm -hmm. And within a four-month space, we transformed our organization. I've now been there almost four years. And as an organization, we're facing tremendous budget reductions because of the pandemic. Oregon is a state that's dependent on an income tax. And hey, not a lot of income happening no, not, right now. Not at all. Yeah. So we were asked to make reductions because we've embraced lean methodologies, because we have recognized people as our, as our most valuable asset and actively invested in those people. I have nothing to cut. And our budget committees have held us harmless from doing those cuts because they understand the value that we bring to the organization and that we've already you know, gotten ourselves to be an efficient machine. So, I mean, it, it, it's a thing that works in the public sector. It works in the private sector. Our people are, are I mean, God, and it, I, I get passionate about this because it is, to me, it's just so simple and it's so easy. It's easy and it's fun to prioritize yeah. your people. It sucks to show up and look at P&L sheets and, and look at all this stuff and like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get, that's no fun, man. But right. working with people and unleashing people, that is awesome. And it will lead you to success. I mean, okay, absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. No, you're speaking my language because I really truly believe in that as well. And, uh, you know, I think of what uh, Jocko Willink says, there's no such thing as a bad team. It's just bad leaders. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, you can have you know, the same exact team. Basically, you switched leaders and suddenly you have this productivity gain. You're meeting your 
your objectives and everyone's you know, the morale improves and suddenly things are, are, are good. And what have you done differently? Well, we focused on people instead of the numbers. And guess what? The numbers came. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's quickly. what, and that's what people can't understand. They say, well, if I put people first, then I won't get my numbers. <laughs> well, no, that's not exactly what happens, right? right? Because if you focus on the people, then, then they, they focus on the numbers. They focus on doing a good job and they feel, they feel they're appreciated. They feel like, Hey, my, uh, my boss is looking out for me. They have my back. They understand. They, they have empathy for my situation. Mm-hmm. They understand, uh, the, the needs I have and they're supportive of those needs. You know, and I think that's, uh, really remarkable. I think of, I had one manufacturing plant I ran while I was out on the shop floor and I saw they had a mallet and the mallet was so worn down. It was just, basically a little bit over the sides of the handle. And I asked him, I said, what, what, what is this? And he says, it's a mallet. I said, well, what's wrong with the mallet? He said, well, we've used it so much that it's worn down to the nub. And I said, well, have you told anybody about it? And they said, I was a plant manager. And he said, uh, well, no, you know, everybody's really busy and we don't want to, you know, it's just a, it's just a hammer. It's not a big deal. I'm like, it, it is a big deal, right? <laughs> this is how they build the product, right? And they had this What's left of a little hammer, you know, and um, but I think just being there and supporting and and be able to give them the tools they need to, to get the job done and and get get the regulations and the red tape out of their way and and unleash them to to really do do a great job and and, and basically, you know, get out of the way because yeah, I mean, they're going to do great things. I talked about four things I used to define a good leader. Here's the simple two. Someone who knows when to shut up and get out of the way. I love We're it. done listening to you. Get out of our way and let us do amazing things. Yeah, I love it. That's really good. I like that. So um, so what's next with the podcast? So are you going to keep doing this format where you randomly pick an episode? It could come from any one of the series and you're going to do you watch it and do the show so that you just keep doing it every other week. Is that right? Yeah, I've got it set every other week. It, it, it's a pretty tremendous lift to uh, to produce. Um, I'm, I've been learning a lot more about production and I'm, I'm getting my workflows better. Remember, we embrace lean methodologies yes. or Six Sigma or and any process improvement methodology. But, um, but yeah, going to keep on that format. Keep going. I've asked for input from uh, people and so far it seems to be working well. Doing the random generator keeps it kind of fun. You know, yeah, for me no, too. I, I like that too. I really do. Yeah, because you're not it's just gonna going be, through the series. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna it's gonna present a couple challenges. Um, I've already found. I just recorded an episode for the second episode of the fourth season of the Next Generation, which is called Family, and it comes right on the heels of probably the biggest cliffhanger in the in the, in the history of television. I won't give it away, um, although it happened you know in the eighties. But <laughs> but uh, but I even recommend in that one. I'm like, you should go back and watch these two episodes before you watch this episode it's a ton of context and i'm also including the new uh the new series star trek discovery in okay. um in my reviews and uh that is serial so the you know one series is one story so i i anticipate running into a couple but i mean uh, they're totally overcomable barriers um right right to the to the whole thing I think it's great to have a leadership lessons uh, set in a context of a story. So you're actually observing, you know, you know, obviously it's fictional, but uh, these these characters in a a sometimes stressful situation, complex situation. How do they work their way through it? How and what are the leadership lessons? I, I think it's a really great um, background to be able to build a leadership podcast on. I think it's fascinating, and I think if you take the time and watch the episode, then listen to your podcast. I really do think you get a lot out of it. I know I personally do. So I think that's the best way to go through that. So 
Yeah, I agree. Thanks. You know, I, I do in the episode try and walk people through, you know, the the plot and what's happening. But I, but I agree. There's a lot of stuff I might gloss over just in the interest of time. You know, my very first episode I did, my wife listened to, and no better critic, you know, than the yeah. person who's committed to spending their life with you. <laughs> but she's like, yeah, way too much on the Star Trek, not enough on the leadership. And I'm like, right. okay, cool. It's good feedback, right? And so you'll you'll kind of see this like balance I try and do between them. And there are some episodes where, you know, maybe there's not as much leadership or maybe there's so much. You might not get as much of the story or as much as the leadership. Oh, I think that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, I'm not like a hardcore Star Trek fan. I just, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy the shows, but I, I think, I think you don't have to be a Star Trek junkie to really get a lot of value out of this. That's that's what I think. That's why I encourage for those of you who might be thinking, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really into Star Trek. Well, you don't have to be. It's just this is the context in which these leadership lessons are being taught. And, and I think that's I think anyone can really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so I know, agree. Yeah. So that's really good. So um, how can our listeners connect with you? Find out more about the Starfleet Leadership Academy podcast. So you can hit me on all the social media at Jeff T. Aiken. I always spell it out. Jeff T as in trust, Aiken, A-K-I-N. Um, and I'm on the socials. Or you can just, there's a great tool for podcasts I use called Podfollow. Mm. So podfollow.com slash S-F-L-A, Starfleet Leadership Academy. And that'll open up the podcast in whatever your preferred um, podcatcher is. Okay, great. And I'm going to put all the links to the show notes uh, in there because uh, I really do encourage all, all of my listeners to go check it out. Uh, listen to it, subscribe. Um, I think you're going to find it is a very well-produced show, a lot of good content. And um, I know it's a tremendous amount of work for you to put that together every two weeks because I once you listen to it, and and uh, it's hard to describe it here on on uh, the podcast, but go listen to it. You'll see the level of professionalism in that podcast. So I can tell you, 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 you know what you're doing when it comes to podcasting. Well, let me, let me, full disclosure, I'm, I'm, I'm just a student of the game, right? I no formal training here. I just, it's important to me to create a high quality product for people. So I take the time to learn and do things over again, right? I think it was Andy Warhol who said, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Well, I tell you what. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing a really good job and I, I really commend you for what you're doing. So thank you very much for being on the show and thank you for your podcast and thank you for sharing all your wisdom today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, John. Take care. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Till next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.